Friday the 13th in the year of our Lord 2020. It's Open Mic Friday, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker to take any of your questions. Uh, Yesterday with Wes Reimnitz, we talked about what is the effect of coronavirus on the church? And as I was driving to one of the churches that I'm helping out with last night, I heard on the Issues Etc. program that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod uh, has put out a wonderful tract about what to do about coronavirus. And in fact, um, there is a bulletin insert that I would encourage congregations to get. All you do is you go to lcms.org. And our president, Harrison, has put together some items for us. One of them is the bulletin insert. And then there's also a planning guide, Congregational Planning for Pandemics. Now, in case many of you can't get to the computer, uh, here's what the bulletin has to say. First of all, there's a prayer, Spare Your People, O Lord, And uh, we'll be including that in the congregations we'll be preaching at over this weekend. It says also that we should keep gathering and continue to hold regular physical services while possible. Come if you are well. Stay home if you are sick or at increased risk. And that would be particularly for senior citizens at increased risk. Now, in St. Louis yesterday, the mayor uh, made a command that there should be no meetings of over a 1,000 people. Now, why does she say a 1,000? Nobody knows because you can get this virus if you're in a group with 10 people. But be that as it may, there are congregations, for instance, mine, St. Paul de Pere, where I am a member that have easily over a 1,000 people a Sunday there. So they're not in St. Louis. They're in De Pere, so I don't know if they would have to follow that rule. And whether or not we would follow that rule, that's going to be up to individual congregations. The main point of the bulletin insert is to make sure the congregation communicates to the members if an outbreak occurs in your area and what event plans must be changed. Also, they are to use wise personal hygiene practices, Uh, for example, in cleaning the pews after each worship service, and there are disinfectants that can be used. Uh, My wife is a member of the Altar Guild, and I'm sure that they're including that they wear latex gloves. Issues, etc. made a real important point yesterday that people are staying away from the common cup, but they do they realize that the individual cups are placed into the holders by individuals on the altar guild so that, guess what, they're touched many a time. So it would be good to wear latex gloves in case somebody does have the virus that is not transported over to a glass, small glass. Now, that's kind of interesting because they say 
this virus, like on banisters, somebody can be going up a stair and holding on the banister. And if they have the virus, that virus can stay on the banister for at least two hours, if not longer. So kind of a good idea to wear gloves or just be careful and keeping very clean, your hands washed, etc. The main point of the bulletin is Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, every now and then you're going to hear pastors uh, talking about that we are not to be anxious about anything because every time I hear something like that, where somebody says, don't do this because that would be a sin, I think immediately, did Jesus ever do that? Was Jesus ever anxious? Well, I, I think he was. There's two occasions that come to mind, if not more. Uh, one is that he was crying over Jerusalem because like a mother hen who wanted to bring in its chicks, they would not. And that would make anybody anxious, and Jesus even wept over that. Uh, the other time was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It, it says... Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me. And he was sweating as of drops of blood. So when we tell people not to be anxious, that is in regard to where God has made promises to us. We ought not be anxious about that. When we baptize a baby, you ought not be anxious about, well, I wonder if that baby really received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. Don't be anxious about that because God has made a promise. But you can be anxious as part of a human being that is not a sin, in my opinion, over temporal matters. Uh, you hear that your son or daughter was injured in a car accident. You're rushing to the hospital. You're anxious about whether or not they're okay or not. And that, I do not believe, is a sin you can still be comforted that God will work out all things. So we need to be a little careful here in talking about whether we should be anxious over certain things and not anxious over others. It's a law and gospel distinction, namely the distinction between the spiritual realm where God has made promises, no anxiety there. I'll go to a shut-in if you, die to, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And I'm so happy to hear many of them say, yes, I will, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. They have no anxiety about that promise. They may be anxious about the pain they're going through, etc. And that in and of itself is not a sin. Well, this is Open Mic Friday. So if you're in St. Louis, it's 821 0850 toll free anywhere in North America 1-800-730-2727 and we're ready to go to the phone lines right now and we're going to speak with Yvonne hi Yvonne you're on the air thank you Pastor Baker for taking my call this has nothing to do with the virus but oh that's fine <laughs> um, I have a friend that keeps insinuating that uh, 
she cast, and I just heard before your program, Pastor Mark, talking about the demon being cast out of a young boy. But I have a son that in 1990, he had a terrible car accident. And after that, about four years later, he was diagnosed schizophrenic. And he he still sees the psychiatrist, which has been 20-some years. But she won't come out and, you know, say that your son has a demon. But I, she has told me she cast out a, a demon from her 50-some-year-old son. And could you talk about that? I I told her, I said, I don't know if a layperson can do that. I believe that you had phoned me, and I haven't responded to your phone call because yes. I, I, I was still doing some work on it. And um, I've, I've come up with this. They even talked a little bit about that in um, uh, Issues Etc. on a question let me ask you, is your son a Christian? Uh, well, he yes, he believes. And I did years ago. He wasn't baptized as a child, but he used to listen to you. And he wanted to be baptized. Excellent. He, Excellent. He has problems. And I was sure yes. I'd heard you say that a layperson can baptize. Uh, yes, in an, yeah. an emergency, if a pastor isn't available and such, uh, we've had that happen on mission fields. But uh -huh. let me uh, just share this with you without getting into the baptism at this point. The question was, can a Christian be demon-possessed? And it, issues, etc., I thought had a good answer to that, that on the one hand, you can have both the Holy Spirit and the devil uh, in you at the same time where you're possessed by the devil. And we need to be very careful in saying that people are demon-possessed because in the Roman Catholic theology, and they do more demonic uh, exorcisms than do Lutherans, although Lutherans do do them, I, I've heard of this in England, that they really test as to whether or not it really is a psychiatric or a psychologist psychological mm -hmm. problem and therefore uh, you really need an expert in this area uh, to test that out I am not an expert in that area and I was trying to find yeah. someone who was but well, see, it, at the scene of the accident he was pronounced dead twice and then on the helicopter he was pronounced dead again and he had major major brain damage and he still has a lot of problems because of that. Yes. And then the psychiatrist diagnosed him. And I think he was actually developing bipolar problems before the accident. Well, if you have a congregation you attend, I would... Yes, I do. Then talk to your pastor, because I know uh, pastors who have good psychiatrists, hopefully you'll find a, a Lutheran one, who could then examine him if you're not uh, pleased with the psychiatrist that's working with him right now. But that's really a discussion between you, your pastor, your present psychiatrist, and the new one. But when you do that and they test your son again, I've never heard of a demon possessing someone because of an accident they had, like falling off a ladder in Jesus' day or something like that. So mm -hmm. um, 
The fact of the matter is, is you can be comforted in that he was baptized and God gave a promise to that, that he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So God doesn't save demon-possessed people, but he would save your son. And I want you to get back to me after you've tried this, okay? Okay, Pastor Tom. Thank you so much for calling. I I thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And we'll just uh, keep on going down the line and talk to Steve. Hi, Steve. You're on the air. Hello, Steve. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, go um, ahead. So in my, I'm in my car like every Friday at this time, and uh, I can't hear you when I'm on hold, so I apologize if I'm repeating anything or not, but um, probably not since I'm changing the subject. Uh, you often talk about and you're very adamant about people uh, can't really ask Jesus into their heart because they would already be believers if they were doing that. But I never really hear you kind of discuss the middle kind of middle ground where people say, God, if you're real, Jesus, if you're real, please help me and come into my heart, you know, uh, where they don't really believe, but they kind of say it, if you're there type of thing. And I just wanted to hear you kind of discuss that situation. Yeah, I would really need to talk to the individual who has that viewpoint. There's certain questions I would ask him. Number one, do you believe that Jesus ever existed? They'll probably say, let's, let's say they say yes. Do you believe he died on the cross? And they'll probably say yes to that. Not too many people doubt those things. But then the next question is, do you think that he died on the cross for the sins of people? And it would be that answer that would help me decide whether or not they truly have a belief in him. I've asked that question to people in Uber uh, and they do say, yes, yeah, I, I believe that's what the, the Bible says. I just don't believe he died for me. Well, once they get to that point, I believe they have the Holy Spirit in them to have said that he died for me, and then we go from there. Now, if they say, no, I don't think he died for the sins of the world, and I don't think he was born of the Virgin Mary or this kind of thing, then we're probably dealing with someone who doubts what the Word of God says, and then you have to start at square one talking about just the message uh, of the gospel. So I think I had a uh, talk not long ago that it isn't wrong to invite Christ into your heart if you're a Christian, because although he's there, what a lot of people mean by that is please Uh, help me during this time, through the struggle that I'm going through, etc. And so it's a distinction between justification and sanctification. There's no way you can invite Christ into your heart, and that's what justifies you. But as a Christian, under sanctification, it's quite possible that you could ask God to be in your heart, to give you comfort. A lot of Christians are asking that uh, as they are scared about this virus and such. And that doesn't mean that they're not a Christian, but they're asking God to strengthen their heart, strengthen their resolve, and comfort them with a message of the gospel. And that's why people should be attending church during this time, because I cannot imagine a pastor 
who's going to be preaching on Sunday not bringing up the coronavirus and how the Bible speaks to it. Um, your answer reminded me of a couple situations of people I've talked to. Uh, I yes. often talk to homeless, homeless people and beggars, but also other people about Christianity. And uh, sometimes I find that they're believers, like you said, and they believe, they, they know about the Bible, they believe in Christ, but then they say, oh, but I've done too many horrible things in my life. And I try to say, that doesn't matter. I mean, Christ is there for you. I mean, think about what Paul did in the Bible. He he killed Christians, and yes. he became a great Christian, so he's there for you. And I try to explain it to them, and it's almost like they just have to accept the spirit that God's offering them before it sinks in. Well, I wouldn't quite put it that way, that they have to accept the spirit because they would receive the spirit. But here's something I found out. I've been on the radio for almost two decades now, and... I can't remember a time when I was telling someone about the gospel message and they said, wow, I never thought of that. I I am a Christian. And they come to believe that they're going to be saved on the radio. But two weeks later, I suddenly find them in my adult instruction class when I was in a congregation. And so you often don't get an answer immediately from someone, but what you have said the Holy Spirit can use it as it sinks into their mind. And as they get away from the conversation, a lot of times they do come to faith. So I never feel myself unsuccessful if someone doesn't confide in me, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm successful when I say the word of God properly and let the Holy Spirit then move from there in bringing them a faith that they can be assured and comforted. Amen. And if, uh, if I didn't get the point across, God's got many workers. He can, he can send another. Exactly. <laughs> well, Paul even says that. Remember, he's saying, you know, some people say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And he says, who are we? I planted somebody else, you know, irrigated, but it is God who finally gave the faith. And so that's what you are, Steve. You're one of those irrigators. (laughs) Trying. Thank you, and God bless. Stay safe and healthy. You too. God bless. Yes. um, In fact, I just got a phone call yesterday. I'm working with four what I consider to be congregations. Um, One of them is in Rushville, Illinois. Another one is in... uh, uh, another little town, and then another one is in, um, where is that town? Yes, Macomb, Illinois. I'm <laughs> making fun of Emmanuel. Keep forgetting where they're at, because I was often at Emmanuel Olivet. But um, in Macomb, the congregation is also affiliated with the university uh, there that's in Macomb, and I just got a call from the elder, one of the elders at Emmanuel, that the university has now announced that it's skipping classes the next few weeks. Now, the students were already on a break, and I was having kind of a Bible study with them on Sundays right after a service I had at their location in Macomb from 11 to 12. 
but uh, only one person showed up last week because they were on break, and he was coughing, so he didn't stay because he didn't want to give me anything. Picked it up when he was with younger students. So I don't know how long that university is going to be out, but then last night, one of the ways in which I love driving is not only listen to CDs of the Bible or Luther's works or listening to good music or symphony or uh, the Beatles or whatever, but I also make phone calls and I don't have to hold my phone and everything comes through the car radio. And I had two phone calls last night and learned two things that I was told the University of Missouri in Columbia has now shut down. And they may be dealing with students uh, through the Internet. But then I got another call and was told that our seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, has also shut down uh, due to the uh, virus. And what what's happening there is interesting. I was talking to a student who they were also on break and they're not going back now. But he has six courses uh, this particular quarter, and the professors are doing videos of what they would teach. They, therefore, are going to be looking at the videos on their computers and then working out their homework from there. And it's going to be pretty busy for both professors now and, and students and so a lot of colleges are doing that because of their fear of, of the virus. And, of course, you probably already know a number of sports are closed down, etc. But there is a bulletin insert that is already made up. In fact, when you get the sheet, you just cut it in half and you put it in the bulletin. It's all done for you. But congregational Pastors should also get the congregational planning for pandemics. It's a four-page item put out by President Harrison, and it's got a lot of information in it for the leadership of each congregation. They talk mainly about communication to your members of the congregation, uh, indicating to them what changes you're making, etc., uh, they talk about the telephone, uh, the email, on your church website. You should be doing what the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod does. When you go to lcms.org, just wait a few moments, and immediately this information pops up on the screen, and you can click on it and read it, or you can download it, uh, which I've done here. And they also talk quite a bit about worship and prayer, the other thing is, it's really difficult, they indicate, under pastoral care to envision any satisfactory substitute for face-to-face -face pastoral care. And that's right. When somebody is in the hospital, we pastors still go there. And I was kind of unaware of this, but uh, there's a wonderful um, item that Luther wrote when he was involved with an endemic, and he went and visited people. In fact, people even came into his house to stay who were sick. He and his wife were taking care of them. 
So it says pastors do have an obligation and duty to their flock to visit, commend, bury, and comfort the bereaved and has some really pretty good things there. But um, uh, they talk about Martin Luther, who wrote a letter to Pastor John Hess on questions about serving during a plague outbreak. And the title of the article is Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. It's in volume 43 of Luther's works, uh, devotional writings, translated by uh, Pelican, Oswald, and Helmut Helmut Lehman. And you can get that on page 119 to 138. And many of the things that Luther says, guess what? That's what we're being told today uh, for pastors and churches to take care of. So we'll keep you in our prayers that people do not get uh, the illness, and if they do, that they recover from it quickly, and that the pastors are still able to make visits. On Monday's Law and Gospel and Tuesday, we're going to first of all look at a reading for the following Sunday that will comfort you during this pandemic, and also a hymn. Join us both times, Long Gospel, 9.30, Monday and Tuesday. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.